The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Don't be scared now, but it looks like you just wandered straight into you mind country. That's you mind, short for unaffiliated mind games, and you ain't never gonna be the same again. Brace yourself. It's time for Red Hot Truth Injection. Oh yeah! That's right, bitch. We're rounding up the sheeple and shaking them awake. You mind? Too damn bad. We're gonna set fire to the wool over your eyes. Feel the burn, baby. Hot We're toppling the lies of the lamestream media one by one. Woo-wee! Watch them bad boys fall. Hey, Universe A. This is Universe B, Colin, and we're going to tear you a new one. You mind? Uh, hey there. I'm Napoleon Doom, the showrunner for the Creeping Wave Radio audio drama. And this is my boss. Scratch. Hello, mortals. How goes the slow descent into oblivion? Knock it off, Scratch. <laughs> We're currently working on season 3.5 of Creeping Wave. Why 3.5? You know, life got in the way, I guess. Which is why we're here. Up until now, our cast, featured musicians, and score artists have all taken part in our production as volunteers. We're incredibly grateful to you and really want to give back to everyone from the very beginning who's given their time and energy to this project. And that's why we're asking for your help. I've been saving up trying to put together a thank you gift for past and present participants on Creeping Wave Radio, but circumstances being what they are, it's not going as fast as we'd hoped. So we're asking for your help to show support for our amazing talent who make each episode possible. We're putting in $666 ourselves to let you know we're serious about this. Wait, 666? No, no, no. You can't do that. And why not? It's because... Um, uh, it's because I'm adding $1,001 to the pot. So it's actually... 1667, a much less evil number. Ah, yes. The year Milton's Paradise Lost was signed into publication. Sure, I guess. Um, we have flexible goals with the money donated to be split up in accordance to the document attached. Every dollar helps. Our perks include original signed art prints from the show, exclusive sticker sets, acrylic charms, and comics. There is a Creeping Wave comic? No. They're Lost Bread and Horrorgasm comics. But I, I mean, they tie into the same storyline, sort of the origins of the series, you know? How disappointing. Look, Creeping Wave comics are in the works, okay? Are they? Uh, you know, maybe let's just take care of our actors first.
Uh, hey everybody, it's me, Napoleon Doom, and I am here with Scratch. Hi, Scratch. Howdy. How are you doing? So, Hi. Are, are you excited to answer some of our uh, listener questions? Sure. Yes. So this is our update episode where we're going to tell you a little bit about kind of what's going on in the studio here, and uh, kind of you you guys have been nice enough to ask us some questions, uh, and we're going to try and answer those for you. And uh, my goodness. Are you excited? I guess so. Yeah, you, you look it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so our first question is from Aurora Artemis. It says, if you could dream cast your stories, who would you cast? No limits, dead or alive. Now, I actually wrote, I write notes for this because I'm like overly involved. In this. Yeah. And it was like a 14 page essay. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically the, the characters have been with me the longest. Um, uh, a lot of times I, I've thought about that because uh, a lot of the original illustrations and the concept art were based off of characters. And um, so the very first incarnation of uh, Napoleon was actually based off of the actor from Farinelli. Uh, I believe his name is Stefano Dionysi. And uh, he plays the, the title role, Farinelli. Uh, and that is about a, uh, a child opera singer, uh, a child singer whose voice is so beautiful that they have him castrated to keep his voice uh, high and resonant. Uh, and it was something that was done back in the day called making castrato. Uh, and ironically, he becomes a sex symbol because of it. And uh, so a lot of the look of Napoleon when I first started designing the character, and that was when I was like 14, I think is when Farinelli came out. Um, a well, lot let's of, not age yourself. <laughs> it was, it's, I believe it's 94 is when Farinelli came out. Um, and uh, so a, a lot of the look of Napoleon, uh, a lot of the original drawings were a combination of me and uh, of uh, Stefano Dionysi. And um, so he, it, if you watch the movie, he's just got kind of like the fair skin and the long, flowy, dark hair and that kind of thing. And uh, just like very foppish but elegant and I, I was very attracted to like that. Like me, right? Like you, pretty pretty much. Don't have a good pop. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the character, uh, a lot of the relationship between the character was, uh, and the character that would become Scratch, was kind of based on the dynamic between Farinelli and his brother in the film. And they have this very adversarial but very dependent relationship. Uh, that's it's it's a very interesting film. It's in Italian, but you can find it with subtitles. I'm sure um, Except for the one scene with Handel they speak English and in, in that and they should speak German probably. Yeah, I was wondering about that one. Yeah too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, But uh, yeah, and then um, it, it's sort of I was working with that and then I think in 2009 the film um, the picture of Dorian Gray came out and uh, it, it stars a actor named Ben Barnes as Dorian Gray, and it stars, uh, I believe, Colin Firth, Darcy, Mr. Darcy, as uh, oh, no. as Henry. Oh, you haven't seen it as, as Henry Watton, who is uh, and a a lot of Oscar Wilde was a huge inspiration for mine, and a lot of the dynamic, the manipulation, the the craftiness that occurred in my original story. Um, the the Creeping Wave story was originally a series of novels that mm -hmm. I had written. And uh, so the weird dynamic between the character who would become Scratch and who uh, is now, 
you know, Scratch and Napoleon uh, came from uh, Farinelli, came from um, the portrait of Dorian Gray, the book. And when the movie came out, I was sure I was going to hate it because Ben Barnes does not look the way Dorian is supposed to look. He has long black hair and fair skin and he's very delicate and Dorian's supposed to be like this cherubic little creature with rosy cheeks and big blue eyes and blonde curls and I was like oh ugh, I, I can't but then I saw it and I was like oh I, I love this Dorian this Dorian's great and actually it's uh, a subtle for me yeah I did <laughs> but uh but the character of Napoleon uh, when in my drawings started to take on the qualities of Ben Barnes and some of the drawings it looks like exactly like Ben Barnes and if you uh, I can probably show up some pictures up here uh, some of the, the pictures that uh, I, I have of myself uh, when I was a little bit younger, I had a wig cut exactly like Ben Barnes' hair from, mm -hmm. yeah, you remember that. Yes, I do. I remember those days. <laughs> you remember those days yes. when I wanted to be Ben Barnes? Yeah. Um, so Ben Barnes would be... I'm sure he wanted you to be Ben Barnes, too. Uh, yeah, no, I think Ben Barnes <laughs> is happy being Ben Barnes. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the portrait of Dorian Gray, he's also Logan from Westworld, which I know you haven't really seen, but, mm. um, yeah, who's a character that I relate to a little too much. So I just, like, had this, like, extreme joy of Ben Barnes. And I guess it's weird for people saying that I would cast myself as a male character, but uh, Napoleon, and we're going to go into this in the, the new season, isn't really supposed to have a gender. They They kind of look like whatever the person perceives them as, that they themselves don't have a specific gender. Um, and so I guess well, that that's... That would be kind of true Old Scratch, too. Yeah, because Old Scratch isn't a human being. Right. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of <laughs> kind of odd for some people. But then, there, of course, there's Tilda Swinton, who plays Orlando, which is uh, the story by Virginia Woolf of an Elizabethan nobleman, who, she also plays the Snow Queen. She does play the Snow Queen, which is a good role too. Mm -hmm. So it's a, and she plays Gabriel and um, Constantine. So mm -hmm. Tilda Swinton would be cool. And uh, I, I think what I want though is somebody who leans towards uh, androgynous. Um, like Ben Barnes can be made to look. He, he's masculine, but he can be made to look kind of androgynous. Farinelli, obviously, the character is a little androgynous. Tilda Swinton in that role, I think there's a lot of roles where she's just absolutely beautiful and very feminine, mm -hmm. but uh, in the role of Orlando, she's kind of uh, more masculine, more uh, androgynous in that yeah. role. Goodness, I look like an extra from Cocoon. Look at my face. <laughs> I should probably bring the light down a little bit, huh? So, but, um, oh, see, if I lean forward, it's okay. When I lean back, it just, like, erupts with light but we'll just keep it and and you guys can experience cocoon too was there a cocoon too i'm old so cocoon is is a movie you should rent if you're not understanding what i'm talking about um old scratch originally uh the actor so uh the actor that i kind of based him off of was Zayed khan which if you don't i could be mispronouncing that too um, if you don't watch Hindi movies or anything like that, then uh, he's an actor from those films. And uh, he, he's a very beautiful man. And uh, he's just like, you know, very olive skinned, very elegant looking. And I, it's kind of how I originally imagined the character of Old Scratch, who was originally called Michael. 
and there's a story behind that. It's, it's based on a Duran Duran song from Medazzaland. Duran Duran? Yeah. One of those old bands? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Uh, the song was actually written by Simon LeBon of Duran Duran for Michael Hutchins of NXS. And uh, it's not in good taste to talk about the circumstances surrounding it here, but if you want to check it out, it's it's a really good song, but a, a really sad song. Because all the bands I listen to are brand new. It's brand new. Brand yes. spanking new. I never go back to the 80s You're and hip. listen to music. Well, no, they're not They're not just 80s bands. Duran Duran's been touring. Like, they, 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 the Medazzaland came out like 2006 well, or something like that. Anyway... <laughs> And he was named after that song, Michael, because I had a lot of feelings about that song. Uh, but the character of Old Scratch, and I was telling you when I was in the bathtub the other day, that the character of Old Scratch, as I originally writ wrote it in the novels, is actually way more interesting uh, than the, the novels that I wound up writing and I couldn't get published. And so I turned it into a comic book and then I turned sort of diverted the story into the... Um, the uh, audio drama and uh, but should I, should I tell the story of Old Scratch or should I keep it a, a secret? So <laughs> no, but who yeah, get back to it, be, get yeah. back on task? Get back you know, on task. Who would you who would you play? Yeah, um, I mean personally, I would probably suggest one an evil version of one of the the uh, yeah. Three Stooges. Mm, okay, that would be good. Um, Manipulative version. I I think like for the guys less on the hammer and the mm -hmm. wait wait. That that could that could work, um, but there then uh, when I heard um, when I I fell asleep listening to Tom Waits the Black Rider, um, and uh, there's a song in it called Just the Right Bullets, and it's an amazing song. And when I heard that song when I was asleep, I came up with this whole like scene uh, around like the old Scratch character and uh, tempting. Napoleon and that kind of thing. And um, so then I, I, I was like, oh, Tom Waits, Tom Waits. And even when I got you to do the voice, I wanted well, you to do Unfortunately, like I couldn't Tom do Tom Waits because he, he has such a unique voice. He does. Don't get me wrong. I like Tom Waits a lot. Mm -hmm. I think he's great. He has a unique voice, and I just could not replicate he, it. He so what you it. guys are listening to is something I came up with. It was, that was kind Gary of Oldman. Yeah. Gary Oldman. Yeah. yeah. Dracula. Yeah. Sort of. My and, version. It's, it's your version, dropping the accent. and it, In the very early episodes, there's like a touch of an accent, too. So Gary, do accents. Yeah, so I guess Gary Oldman would be a contender then. Um, if we're going to go... an actor. Yeah, if we're going to go that way, I'd be thinking uh, along the lines of, Gary Oldman would be great, but I'd probably want someone older. An Alan Ron, Rick... Ron Perlman. No. Well, I love Ron Perlman. He's amazing, and he's Hellboy. So mm -hmm. that works out really well. But I, I'd be thinking more in like an Alan Rickman, who I have this giddy fascination with, or a, a Ben Kingsley. Um, like one of those kind of gentlemen, I think, would be more. With Dorcas Morlock, um, you need somebody who... Uh, it, she has a look, obviously. And, and for me, the character has become Anna Zanova, who is the voice actress. Um, and she's originally based on uh, a girl who my friend found in a, um, a yearbook from 1931. And she just had a fascinating name and a fascinating backstory. Um, but uh, she has this look. She's kind of like this tiny brunette powerhouse. And, uh, but, but more importantly than the look is the attitude. She has to be intelligent uh, and kind of dangerous, but uh, not above 
being kind of weird and silly and that kind of thing. And um, I guess I would think Isabella Rossellini, she's one of my favorite actresses. I think she's uh, absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and if you see her in Immortal Beloved, uh, where she plays uh, the Countess uh, er Erodi? Or? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but she, she is kind of this uh, deposed Countess who is in a bar and she's drinking with the guys and she's just kind of like, ah, you know, I, I'm done with all of the, the nobility and the royalty and living by all these rules and this is my life now. Um, definitely uh, the, the older one, um, the, the older Dorcas Morlock, oh gosh, what is her name? Um, Sylvia, uh, she, she plays the grandma in Mars Attacks and she plays Juno in uh mm -hmm. yeah in, in beetlejuice uh that would be the older dorcas morlock because she has that sass and that spunk and that kind of thing but she's also can be very serious you know, helen Miriam would be good too Hel maybe maybe because dorcas mm -hmm. is born in england right. in the series but she she loses her accent when she moves when she's two um but she she she'd be good she's a little too posh what i kind of like about isabella rossellini is she plays like this, these kind of vivacious roles. She can also be kind of scary if you see her in um, Death Becomes Her. She's kind of scary in that. Um, but she also, if you've seen Green Porno, which I highly recommend, yeah. Um, Green Porno is, uh, she, she talks about the breeding cycles of all these animals and she dresses up, like she'll dress up like a bee and like interact and like show how bees have sex and that kind of thing. And she puts on these skits and they're ridiculous and great. And I, I think that's okay. pretty fantastic. And I guess those that's are interesting the, for me being a biologist. Yeah, he, he is a biologist, <laughs> actually. Um, and so we should definitely I should show you those. I haven't show, I'm surprised I haven't shown you those. They're, they're hilarious. But um, she does a lot of really funny things. She's also a twin. So which which would be kind of cool. But I, I don't know that her sister looks like her. I, they, they don't always. But those are the three characters who've been with me the longest, I guess. So, the ones that I've had the most time to think about. All right. Yeah. I think we're pretty clear yeah. on that. What's our next question? <laughs> uh, Trixie, from Trixie Land. So, who are the Horrorgasm comic artists, and where did they find the inspiration for their comic? Now, I don't know all the yeah. Horrorgasm comic artists, uh, and I, I do know me. I'm one of them. Uh, this is my second time participating. Um, and if you want to check out Horrorgasm, uh, we'll give you the links in the description box and everything like that. Um, but Horrorgasm is this uh, art event that talks about, like, uh, really delves into uh, horror and dark art and that kind of thing. And they also put out a comic anthology. And this one is the first Creeping Wave comic is actually going to be appearing in it. And well, you did the last one. I, I did, but it, it was not my story. It was Brian and Chase right. Killian's story, mm -hmm. and I illustrated it. Now, and what's really cool about Horgasm is mm -hmm. they, not, they not only just delve into the modern stuff, but they go very classical, too. Yeah. And so you'll be walking around, and there'll be you know things like Michael Myers, mm -hmm. or I don't know what's scary now. But then it'll, you know, the next picture will be like the, the original Frankenstein or yeah. the mummy. So it's really cool, kind of a wide variety of different horror genres kind of different horror mini genres. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and so the story that I am doing for uh, this fall issue of Horrorgasm, which you can also get if you uh, want to donate to our Indiegogo campaign, which we're putting forward to try and help 
make back some money and give back to the artists who have really been working very hard for us. And they all they of our they're the volunteers. We want to, we want to help them. Especially with COVID, is right. really shutting down a lot of performance venues, and we're just like we want to give back what we can, which is not a lot, but we're trying to bring in a little bit of money from Indiegogo. So donate what you can if you're able, or just spread the word. But you can get a copy of that comic. I'm going to buy a bunch of them and give them out for people who donate. And that's the first Creepy Wave comic. And the story in it has been in my head forever. Um, it's, it's one of the first, like, dreams that I can remember having, uh, actually. It's, it's, it's been in there for a while. <laughs> and I finally had a venue. And I wanted to make it into one of the plot lines for the actual uh, Creeping Wave show. But it just there was no way I could really fit it in and have it work. So I was, uh, Atiba Royster uh, is the, one of the head guys at Horgasm, and he pitched it to me at uh, Comic Fest, which was in March, and it's the only um, con that's been going on for the year, as everything else got shut down. That was before everything got shut down. And he said, yeah, you can do a Creeping Wave story, but don't do it like, oh, continue it in Creeping Wave, or listen to Creeping Wave to hear the rest. It has to be a standalone piece. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I know just the thing. If they could be search uh, for Horgasm, they should be able to find yeah, it. Yeah, they should be able to search for Horgasm, mm -hmm. and then we'll put the links up and everything. Mm -hmm. And and they sell it on the Horgasm site. They sell the, the first issue, which I'm in, and then a bunch of other issues. Um, I, know, I know that Jennifer Cooksey, who played Shingles on the show, uh, she wrote a story for the last issue that came out. It would be like the spring issue. Mm -hmm. um, or is it the summer issue? I'm not sure. But she, she wrote uh, a story for that, and so you should definitely check it out. She's a writer as well as an actress, as well as uh, the runner of like horrorgasm events and all sorts of things. So a very multi-talented woman. But, uh, yeah, And that's where I, almost everywhere I get my inspiration from is my dreams, because it's being awake, being conscious for me, is a concerted effort <laughs> holding my brain like... Uh, like concentrating on everything that's around me and like trying to focus and, and focus on the things that I'm supposed to focus on and not focus on like the butterfly flying over here and that kind of stuff. It's That's what I concentrate on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Being a biologist. Yeah. That, that's actually kind of how uh, we sort of hooked up was um, I looked, looked him up online, which is a creepy thing to do, but a, a cautious thing to do. And I found out that he had uh, been one of the writers on a paper about the conservation of the Kino Checker Spot, mm -hmm. which is a, a local butterfly uh, in the San Diego area. And I was like, he likes butterflies. I can't resist. You know, butterflies are very important to me. <laughs> um, but um, so our next question, hopefully that, that answered it. You think that? Was... Probably so. Yeah. Uh, our, our next question is from the Creative Brew TV. That's uh, Quantel Langford. Hi, Quantel. Um, and it says, what are your future plans for your characters and the Lost Bread comic? Now, the Lost Bread comic kind of shifted into becoming Creeping Wave Radio and the U-Mind, but I, I still want to keep doing Lost Bread. Um, I'm, I'm kind of rebooting it, I think, because I like the first two. Um, and I think that they're still, they're still good pieces. Um, but I, I kind of feel like a lot of what I was doing there was tied up with, um, a show, uh, Gramerica, the show that I do art for. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the gags and stuff like that don't make a lot of sense unless you're familiar with the show. 
Um, I mean, you can just read it and it's just weird random stuff that's in the background and that kind of thing. But um, I, I feel like it, I maybe just redo it in the plot line that it is. And so basically what Lost Fred would be would be the lucid dreams that Napoleon has that I have. Um, and the Creeping Wave comics would be the story of what happens to Napoleon uh, while they're like kind of living their life and uh, the, all the weird metaphysical, strange, esoteric events that happen. And You Mind is the podcast that Napoleon runs. Uh, and just uh, the, the guests, some of our guests are real, some of our guests are uh, performers, <laughs> and uh, we just have a lot of fun with that. And so uh, it, it's just kind of the, the podcast that Napoleon runs. And uh, th there might be a, another component coming in, too, just the more mundane stuff that leads up to all the events that uh, I might be doing in another piece. That well, was, I think you have a lot of different there's ideas a lot of on, different, on the drawing board that's now, which may or may not problem. make it in, because, I mean, mm -hmm. I know ones of werewolves, and yeah, there's ones that's, with Michael... Michael. And you just never know. Yeah, and the, the thing is that this is a whole world that I've built in my head since I was very small. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I have, like, all this, like, all planned out and stuff like that, but it's bringing it to the forefront and making it into pieces that I can put out for people uh, and, and that I can effectively, you know, put out with the time that I have available. Yeah, in between working and stuff like that so yeah um and and so what i'd really like to do with creeping wave i want to pitch it as an animated series um and then uh kind of hand it over to like a team uh, work with them kind of uh get the script ready for uh television and that kind of thing i i'd want it to be a cartoon because you can get away with more uh, a lot of the stuff that happens in the script if it happens to like an actor i think would be difficult but not maybe not so much with more cgi and practical effects and stuff like that coming out um but yeah uh, ha having a guy turn into a grappling hook that's after being a, shot by a, a 1700s horse pistol right so mm -hmm. i but but that might be a cool scene to see in cgi uh that might be interesting um yeah, that was one of our, our first, uh, one of our earlier episodes. I think it might even be season one or season yeah, two. Yeah. yeah, So, but so, some of the stuff that happens, it, it feels like it would work better with animated. And uh, I tend to prefer animated films just because I'm a big dork. But, um, yeah, I, but the actors and stuff, if we could get, like, actors who were really great and uh, just really embody the roles, like, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. <laughs> But I'd, I'd like it to be more of a, a visual format because there's a lot of things that like I talk about the older Dorcas. Um, there's a lot of things that like I would have liked to build about Dorcas's character, the older Dorcas and how she's trapped and things like that. You can't really do with a podcast because you don't have any visual cues. So you have to everything is telling people what they're supposed to be seeing and describing it through, or uh, creating that illusion through sound and effects. And uh, so, like, having somebody look down at a photograph to establish, uh, oh, they knew Napoleon from their past, and how long ago was that, and how far back does Napoleon's past go? This is an interesting little... You, you can't do that so much with a pod, podcast or an audio drama. Well, I mean, so. you can do it. It just it takes a lot of resources it, to It's do a so. lot of preamble, and it's, it's a lot of talk, and it takes away from the storyline. 
So when you have too much talk, then it, it really just kills the, the progression of the story. So, and uh, on that note, we'll go to the next question, uh, which is uh, After Dark Creations. That's Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Jennifer of Horrorgasm. So, what frightens you? Are you afraid of a particular character, concept, or creature? <laughs> people. Uh, very seriously, I'm, I'm terrified of people. And it's not, people hear that and they're like, oh, honey, it's okay. Nobody's going to hurt you. And it's like, I, it's not anxiety. It's uh, that I, I, I the, uh, all the variables and the viciousness, and I don't know where it comes from because the way that people seem to think and process, uh, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Though at the same time, I think what people do is very predictable and very boring uh, a lot of times. That, that one, there's you see these same personalities recycled again and again and again. But the thing is, when it goes wrong, when it stops being predictable, because you, I'm the kind of person who I overthink everything because I'm uh, neurally divergent. Um, and I'm the kind of person I, oh, I overthink everything because I don't see the cues a lot of the time. And so I'm like always like, okay, he said this. So he's really meaning this because I can tell by his face that he's doing this. And so I have to like break everything down all the time. And so it helps me that people are kind of predictable and kind of have their patterns. But when it, when it's off kilter, when it gets, th when I get thrown for a loop, it's really bad. And I don't, and I feel like so much of conversation is me trying to placate people so they don't retaliate against me. Because that seems, what, is that a terrible thing to say? No. no. Um, you know, I'm scared of what? Spicy pad thai. Spicy pad thai. Oh, yeah. Man, that really hurt the other day. Man. Yeah. They, they made, painful. they made, he, he said, spiciness level five. Uh, see, I always get like spiciness level 11. Um, and a one to ten scale. Yeah, and they uh, the 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 place we go to Thai Thai, which is actually across the street from us. Don't come visit us. Um, it's, um, they they actually know I like things spicy, so she actually will make like things specifically for me that are like super duper spicy. Um, but he does not like it spicy, so he asked for spiciness More level like flavorful, not yeah. not blasting hot. Spiciness level five, and his pad Thai was like. So, and to me, it was enjoyable, but to this little Midwestern bundle who likes steak and potatoes and corn on the cob, it was... Best things on the earth. Yeah. It was just too much for his wee little taste buds to endure. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he's afraid of... Is there anything you're, like, really afraid of, though? I don't know. I mean... It's hard to say. I'm a biologist, and I've, I've run into bears mm -hmm. and sharks and mountain lions and lots of snakes. They don't seem to bother me at all, unless I really surprise them. Usually, I surprise they surprise me. I surprise them at the same time. Mm -hmm. I haven't run into any issues, so I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You were very macho. No. Yeah, rugged. No. So. <laughs> So the next question is Nixie Von Rose, also of Horrorgasm. So my goodness, I am just so glowy right now, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll make it work. Um, if you had to pick one fictional character and live out their story as portrayed in film or book, who would it be and why? Um, most of the characters I like are tragic. Dorian Gray. <laughs> I love, yeah. <laughs> I do love Dorian. I absolutely love Dorian. Um, 
Yeah, and, and actually, uh, an artist named Rebel, uh, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, who is in Horrorgasm, did a painting of Dorian Gray. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I was so excited just to see that. Um, yeah, because you can, like, physically own the portrait of Dorian Gray now. And I was, yeah. But um, I love Dorian. I love the hedonism of him. I love how... <laughs> Um, of course, he has a terrible ending, you know, but I, I think I... But there's always Hedonist Spot. Hedonist Spot. Yeah, I do, I do like Hedonist Spot, so, yeah. I, from, um, I, from Futurama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and any, anyone hedonistic and foppish, uh, and, and uh, that's kind of what I'm down with. Um, but I, I, I do really love Dorian. Uh, I guess, uh, I know people don't like this movie, Jupiter Ascending. Um, Titus from that, I really like Titus. He's good. Yeah, I really enjoy his character a lot. Um, the char characters that I relate to the most, um, like John DeFool, who also is, is kind of a hedonistic character, if you, if you read The Incal. Um, it's in French. Uh, it's uh, written by um, Jodorowsky and uh, illustrated by Mobius. Um, it's in French, but you can find it in English. Uh, some of the translations uh, I, I don't entirely agree with, but um, like, uh, yeah, homeopath, which are uh, these, well, they're, they're <laughs> gynoid prostitutes and stuff like that. And, and so, that. Yeah, so, <laughs> some of the words you can't really, you can't really translate into English because it's not an existing word and stuff like that. But uh, he he's uh, he, he spends a lot of time uh, drinking whiskey, smoking cigars, sitting in the bathtub, and sleeping with incredibly beautiful women. And I what's I, wrong with that? Yeah, I I rather enjoy that. Um, <laughs> it's, it, he's a character I really like. Um, so I, I have to. Um, but yeah, normally the characters I gravitate towards are the ones who are like uh, deeply dismal and uh, have terrible, tragic endings and stuff like that. And that, that's what I'm attracted to in them is that, that I relate to that. Like, like Logan or something like that, um, being betrayed and delving into yourself to the point where you destroy yourself and Logan from Westworld and that kind of thing. I, I don't really want to live out his existence, but he's a character who I'm like, I feel you, that's me. And, uh, that's, that's pathetic, but that's okay. <laughs> you don't know how pathetic it is because you've never seen the show. So, there you go. Nah, we've seen some of it. Yeah. Um, so I guess that, that would be like Dorian Gray, Titus, um, and, uh, Jean Defoul, those kind of guys. Yeah. Those are, those are along the lines. Jean, Jean Defoul has, has sort of a, a more sweeping character arc than those other characters though. I have to say. You should read the Incal. It's great. Um, so the next question is Nico likes philosophy. Little Nico. We love Nico. And uh, the question is how long does it typically take you to complete an art piece? Yeah. Um, let's say about 18 hours. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. About 18 hours. She has a tendency to say, I'm going to be simple this time. Mm -hmm. And then as she's drawing... <laughs> Every single little yeah. feather, including downy feathers, mm -hmm. on this wing of this angel or whatever it is, yeah. she's like. Then she complains, "Why do I make this so difficult? Yeah, in detail. Yeah, and uh, because my schedule's pretty packed, 
a lot of the time, uh, like the artwork for Grammarica, I normally do the night before. And so that means I start working at kind of like three or four in the afternoon and I'm working way into the night and into the next morning uh, and then turn it in the morning. Um, and that is, I, I think for a lot of people, they hear that and they're like, you've got to make time for your friends, honey. And I'm just like, I mean, this is my friend. My art is my friend. That's, that's where my happiness is. It's, it's not from sitting and hanging out and drinking with the bros. I don't think we have any bros, but, <laughs> but um, so it, 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 I don't get a lot of joy from that. I actually feel, uh, Sherlock says it really well, um, that uh, it's stagnation. I, I, I feel suffocated when I'm sitting and hanging out with people and watching a movie. I actually, I, I got pissed off, and I, I do this a lot, and I have to like control myself. Because I'll actually go to the bathroom when people are watching a movie and hanging out and chit-chatting and drinking and like time it on my phone to be like 15 minutes because that seems like a reasonable amount to avoid oneself. And uh, then I'll come back and they have the movie paused. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to be here for the rest of my damn life. And I have to like contain that and be like, oh, you didn't have to pause it for me. And I'll even say sometimes, don't pause it. I'm doing this to get away from you. I'm doing this to like draw out the time that I have to spend with you. And then I can just isolate myself and calm down and like, She yeah. does it to me too. I do it to you too. <laughs> it's and that's and, an actually movies that she is actually interested mm -hmm, in. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not, it's not, per, I, there's no way you can say it's not personal because it, it's, it's personal in that you're overwhelming to me. Uh, that that like the laughing and the banter and the like uh, it's just something I don't relate to I, I don't get the same feelings that you do when you do that with other people so it's hard for me to sit there and I need to re-energize by being alone so like quarantine's been just great for me <laughs> which sounds terrible but it's it's been like not a problem for me but for you you're like dying you're the opposite. You're suffocating because you can't get that interaction and that interplane go out there and do that kind of stuff. And yeah, so we're very, we're complete opposites as far as that goes. But, I spent, uh, used to spend a couple, at least a couple of nights down at Old Town. Yeah. Volunteering at Whaley House Museum. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was able to talk a lot about history, which is kind of, kind of uh, outside of my job, which is biology, which, which is really great. I love it. But, you know, just kind of exploring your other interests and so history is one of them so mm -hmm. go down there and have cigars and talk to people about the way they house and all the ghost stuff yeah and it was very rewarding for me but i am able to do that yeah yeah and for me like i'll get so overwhelmed that if i can't go somewhere to kind of calm down uh i will blow up and i don't want to and i really i really am like so much of my time is like focusing on like don't don't go don't freak out don't freak out they're not doing anything mean. They're not meaning to be mean. They don't freak out, but then I will, and I'll like lose it, and it's not fair to the people who are around me. So I draw, because for me, that's very soothing, and like drawing all the tiny little details and stuff, that's kind of meditative to me. And so spending 18 hours doing that is great, just in isolation. Uh, it sometimes, and I have to do it all in one go. I don't like to break it up, because then I forget where I was working. And I like to do it all in one go when I can. Sometimes a piece is too big uh, and you have to break it up.
but I try to get to a good stopping point so I can remember what's going on and then come back to it. Um, but yeah, I, I say 18 to 22 hours mm -hmm. is normally about what it is. And I'm, I'm just drived, dr driven by my desire to create something. Um, the biggest problem for me is, is actually marketing stuff because part of being an artist is being solitary and being able to dedicate yourself to that kind of solitary work where you just, uh, you devote yourself to the piece uh, and not be distracted by outer outside things. That's fine for me. I'm not distracted by outside things. But when I have to like market it and stuff like that, I'm just like, okay, yeah, we gotta do this. Mm -hmm. We gotta. I, I usually take you because you're a nice social buffer. Everybody thinks he's the artist anyway. Like he he he's got the beard and he's got like the well, kind of cool aesthetic. You're a different artist. You're a different kind of artist. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, and that's. Absolutely. Yeah, I usually just take him to my art shows and they talk to him and then it gets out that I'm the artist. And I'm like, oh, we're doing so well. It's like, sorry, I don't know who the real artist is. <laughs> it's, it's Most like, folks really like to hear what the real artist is, is doing behind her work. It's like Big Eyes, if you've seen right. that movie, but in reverse. is like I'm trying to make him. But, um of course, so, it'd be like that guy with the big eye, you know, big eye girl, and just sell your paintings, take all yeah, your money. Yeah, that's 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 what I was referencing. Yeah, yeah. Take yeah. all your money and keep you locked in the back, the back bedroom I, painting. I'm fine. Yeah. You should do this. No, I don't this think sounds I'm fun do that. for me. <laughs> Sorry, this is not my style. <laughs> I, I like I, to go out to eat with somebody once in a while. You like to go out to eat with somebody yeah, once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food is good. Food yes. is good. So. <laughs> People, people who say that that phrase that came out of that Christopher Candelis movie, um, Into the Wild, uh, happiness is not real until it's shared, they haven't tried food, or napping, or masturbating. It's... Mm. <laughs> Time to go on to the next question. Yes. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, okay, Nico, I hope we answered that for you. I'm sorry we went on that weird tangent. I'm good at that. Yes. See any good horror movies or media recently? Um, oh goodness, I was watching a silent movie. Well, any of the media, you know, concentrate on any kind of government stuff now, that's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was watching a silent movie this morning, and let me see if I still have it open so I can read the title to you. It's, a, it's an Italian silent movie. Um, and do I still have it open? Um... Maybe oh, if you gosh. close some of your applications yeah. once in a while. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, and I can't remember the name of the character. Uh, it's Machiste, Machiste l'Inferno. And uh, that basically means uh, Machiste in Hell. And basically, th this character is, he's kind of like a Hercules kind of character. Um, in fact, in a lot of the American translations of the uh, movies uh, that in the silent era, it would be changed to Hercules because, all, or, or which is properly Heracles, but yeah, it would be changed to Hercules or Samson or something like that because uh, it, it's such a similar character. But he's one of the oldest characters in cinema. He's this hero character, and uh, it, it was uh, him going to hell and uh, fight fighting 
the beasts of the underworld and stuff like and it, it's it's pretty cool i i have a real uh, weakness for the silent era kind of stuff mm -hmm. just because so much of it was practical effects uh it, it and taking stagecraft and putting that into play and uh just coloring the film and doing all these little clever techniques that i, I think there's such an artistry to that when you're so limited by what you can do you become very artistic, very creative, and I really enjoy watching those kind of things. Um, except I can't remember the title of it because I'm a jerk. Um, but uh, most of the time, because I'm, I'm drawing so much and really drawing from like the second I wake up until I fall asleep, um, then I, I, I don't get to see a lot of stuff. I listen to a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I, list, I download... Uh, Yes, I, I just listened to, uh, I was re-listening to a bunch of Whitley Strieber books because I enjoy him. Um, he, he, of course, wrote uh, The Hunger and Wolfen and all that kind of stuff. So that was um, just re-listening re to that. Um, An alien's description. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I guess that, that uh, returning to Jennifer's question about, I'm not scared of aliens anymore, but as a child... Uh, I was terrified of aliens, like absolutely. Well, what scene was that? Uh, it's the peaking alien, where Christopher Walken is like uh, in what movie? In Communion, oh. Christopher Walken is like, "If you're there, show me." And uh, this little alien, there's the TV, and the alien goes, <laughs> terrifying. And then the way that they move and stuff like that is like very crazy and um, and. <laughs> Um, but then I, I used to get teased a lot when I was younger because people would say like, uh, the, the alien on the cover of communion, that's you. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I get it. Cause the big black eyes and the white face and everything like that. Um, and so I, and then slowly I like developed this love for it. And, uh, like a lot of the, the <laughs> I, I just like this adoration for aliens and everything that is to do with aliens. And so now I'm not scared of it. Now I'm like, abduct me, please. It would be so cool. Um, and then I guess like a lot of the, the men that I tend to be attracted to, like Pinhead or um, the, the Inquisitor from <laughs> Star Wars Rebels, um, they're pretty much aliens. They look mm. like aliens. So just like it went from being terrified to being like, completely like yeah hey <laughs> so i'm a creep so yeah. but yeah uh any good horror movies i would say um just uh, the silent one that i watched earlier and what have we been watching lately we, we watched apollo 18 yeah yeah that was, I mean, it was interesting i but... i thought it was kind of cool um if you're not familiar with apollo 18 um, th there's kind of a, a conspiracy theory that there was another Apollo mission that went to the moon, and when they went to the moon, they found the cosmonauts had already been there, but they were killed. And uh, they, uh, the, the Americans were pretty freaked out by this. They couldn't figure out what it was, uh, and then whatever it was that killed them came for the Americans. And so they kept that mission shut down in secret, and they wiped all the information about it, but somehow the files got out. And that is an existing conspiracy theory, and they made a film uh, based on it. And mm. uh, it, and you weren't super impressed by it, I, I know. Um, I thought it was scary. To me. I, yeah, no, it wasn't really very scary. It's a found footage kind of thing, which mm -hmm. is always a little harder for me to get into, because just in editing, I always feel like I'm not supposed to pay attention to it. 
like the the stuff like oh that's before somebody stabilized the camera. Oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm gonna show Sorry. you show you Blair Witch and take you out camping. I I, I remember Blair Witch. Yeah. Uh, what I mostly remember about Blair Witch is uh, that uh, my partner at the time went to see it and wound up puking all over the place because the, the camera footage on the big screen was too much. And that it shouldn't have amused me as much as it did, <laughs> honestly. But, uh, yeah. Mm. Let's see. Um, the next question is from William Jack Thomas. Okay. So... With a time machine handy, and now William Jack Thomas, of course, is from the Just Conversations podcast that so you should definitely check out. Nick the Rat also has a podcast as well, and I should plug that. They're both very excellent podcasts. You can call in to the Nick the Rat podcast and actually talk to him. And uh, William Jack Thomas, they have, like, everything. They, they have, like, crazy plots and, like, these wild guests, and it's, it's just really uh, fantastic, like, roller coaster ride experience but his question is with a time machine handy and no possibility to go backwards in time but only the ability to go forward in time by multiples of a thousand or someone you personally know dies at random would you use the time machine and how many multiples of 1000 would you stop at um i'm assuming the person who dies is someone i actually like not like somebody who mess with me or like an ex or something like that so um if i could go forward in time i now now speaking honestly i probably just wouldn't use the time machine because i i just i don't like unpredictable variables that that's something i don't care for but for the sake of the question um how many multiples of a thousand well i, I guess you know you'd be missing out if you didn't just go to the first multiple of a thousand so I guess like 3,020, because if you go farther, you can't go back and you can't check it out. So um, go to 3,020 and hope that somebody somewhere can communicate with me at that point in time. Uh, or, uh, or are humans even the, the species that uh, is dominant? At you ever see Planet of the Apes? Right, right. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, or Planet of the Dolphins or desert tortoise or whoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever has taken over, mm -hmm. or maybe it's just a complete fungal planet, and it's all different types of fungi, or fungi, however you want to pronounce it, uh, that are just taking over the planet. They are the most, uh, I think, they're the most prolific, or uh, what? The fungi? fungi, fungi. I mean, bacterium uh, beat, beat everyone Bacterium, out. yeah. So, you know, may maybe bacterium have evolved into, like, sort of a hominid of some kind. Um, Why would it be a hominid? It doesn't have to be a hominid. In fact, yeah. the, their loc uh, their locomotion seems to work pretty well for them. So, well, yeah. I mean, I think you've seen a, a ten foot by fifteen foot amoeba. Mm -hmm. Yeah, might be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. So, I think I, I would start going to the first multiple of one thousand, so I could check it out, uh, give it some time, see see how I liked it there, um, and uh, just continue on from there. I guess because. Uh, you know, at that point, you just have to keep going forward because you're not going to be familiar and acculturated with anything that's there. And uh, too much has passed to where you can probably re-educate yourself. Uh, and as much as I love Futurama, the idea that Fry could effectively reculturate to that society and uh, live and exist 
it is probably pretty far-fetched. Well, it's because Fry so. really never did. It's not a documentary. <laughs> so. But yeah, I, um, <laughs> though I, I do love that show, and I, I, I do love that question. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd start at the first multiple of a thousand, and then just, uh, you know. Sooner or later, get to the point where the sun swallows the earth as a supernova. That might be cool to see. Mm -hmm. Except that you can only go <clears> multiples <throat> of a thousand. So, like, if it happens in between that, then you're not going to get to see it. You're just going to see the aftermath, and that would be disappointing, you know? Very short, too. Yeah. But then you could just keep going, and, and then possibly life would reform, and, and you might be able to be there for, like, the found, like, the, you no, know? the Earth would be gone. No, but the Earth is gone, but at some point, something's going to reform there. Big Bang 2? Yeah. Yeah, so, something's going to... And so, then you could be present... And you know how they, they always talk about, like, um, not, not panspermia. That's the idea that uh, alien, uh, aliens seeded, like, comets that came in and stuff like that with life. But um, sort of the idea that, like, the, the aliens came and they educated the humans. You could be that alien that educates that new species that comes in with the knowledge that you have from your previous civilization that no longer exists. You could come in and you could be like, hey, guys. Watch this. I'm going to make fire with these two sticks. I'm thinking more so, like show up and be a deity and rule the world. I mean, you could do that, too. That's a lot of responsibility, though. I don't know that I'm down with that. So that, that seems like a lot of work. But uh, I don't know. I, I guess, uh, you know, if, if you're good at <laughs> you delegate your delegating your authority mm -hmm. to, to your uh, worshipers, mm -hmm. so you could probably handle it. So, but, uh, and then our next question on that subject is Gally Fisher, who is a musician that we're hopefully going to be featuring some of her solo work in, uh, Creeping Wave Radio this season. And hopefully she's going to be a voice for us as well. Very excited about that. Uh, Gally Fisher, you can check her out at Gally's Alley. And of course the link will be below. Uh, what's a realistic looking incarnation of a UFO in 2000 and beyond, in 2020 <laughs> and beyond? What are the unrealistic or impossible possibilities? Uh, personally, I think, uh, now when I was younger, I used to spend a lot of time like looking at pictures of spacecraft and going like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense because re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere wouldn't work with something like that. Um, because I, I thought I was really slick like that. But the truth is, the craft itself doesn't have to be built so that it can re-enter the atmosphere. Uh, the aliens could... Well, you have a brother who's a I do. rocket scientist. I do. Yeah. Yes. Um, in fact, all of my siblings have very prestigious intellectual jobs, and I am an artist. I draw boobs, and I feel really ashamed of Good. No. My mom seems to think it's a good thing. It is. So. You do good things. <laughs> but, you do good things. But the thing is that we don't know what these aliens are like. So are these aliens like telekinetic? Can they enter your dreams? And when they're in your dreams, can they give you the plans to create this spacecraft that you would create on your planet or create a portal, something like a Stargate or something like that, that would allow them to transfer themselves from where they are to the planet surface. Um, so they don't even need to necessarily create a craft that can do re-entry 
And in fact, if they're advanced enough, they can have a, like a, a ship that's essentially like an aircraft carrier in space, which is kind of what the Enterprise or anything like that is in Star Trek. Battlestar Galactica. Um, Battlestar Galactica. It's basically like an aircraft carrier in space. It's a floating city. And so you can have the parts there, and you can construct a ship uh, while in dock in this, you know, uh, your space station or wherever you're going to be. And you don't need to necessarily have a craft that can go in and out of an atmosphere. Uh, you might even be able to have, like, small manned vessels that can slip through the atmosphere or something like, like almost like the Excelsior kind of project, you know? Excelsior Project, if you don't know, is uh, they, they brought a man using a weather balloon to the very, very, very high, highest parts of the um, atmosphere, and then he parachuted down. And you love that video. I hate that video. <laughs> I, I get vertigo really, really bad. I, I get vertigo really, really bad. Well, I don't know why somebody jumping off a balloon at the edge of the, edge of the atmosphere would ever give anyone vertigo. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was airborne in the army. So. He, he he is an airborne ranger, um, so not anymore. <laughs> he does he does not understand uh, my problem with this kind of stuff. He 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 thinks it's quite strange, but um, yeah. But uh, you could even have something like that where they they have some kind of a suit like they had for that, um, and apparently the 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 pressure was so like in Star Trek. Yeah, when yeah. They jump on the Enterprise. I, down on that space station Yeah, you, you know how much I adore that scene. Yes, I know you do. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to answer Gally's question here, and you're getting me all anxious. Um, but, yeah, they, they could even have just a suit so they can come down into the atmosphere, um, and they, they don't have to. And, and then, I don't know, they... They can also Star Trek it and beam them in. Mm -hmm. And then once they're in the planet system... They, they can build their ship to get back out again. And, or beam uh, out. Yeah, or beam out or whatever they want to do. So what is unrealistic? It's as long as you can give a rational explanation for what they do. Um, I, I think that anything is realistic. In fact, if, if you look at the records of when people start seeing uh, spacecraft or crafts that they can't understand in the sky... The technology almost always meets what will soon or is already available. Like, uh, you know, uh, in like the 19, uh, in the 1800s and stuff like that, you see what are essentially Zeppelins. People are seeing Zeppelins. And is it because somebody had Zeppelins and they were testing it out and people didn't know what it was? Or is it because that was the technology of the day and... You know, that, that's what the aliens were using, and then we retrofitted that alien technology uh, for, for ourselves or whatever you want. But they always seem to, like, coalesce. And, and when we can't find something that we can explain uh, as a craft or something like that, um, then we, we usually will give it some kind of, um, like, and, and I hope I'm not being sacrilegious, but in the Bible... Uh, they, they, a lot of people will talk about, uh, even Eric von Danik in Chariots of the Gods will talk about, uh, you know, these crafts, the, these wheels of fire and stuff like that, that people saw. Uh, and was that an alien craft? Was it a spiritual being? Are they not one and the same? Are they two separate things? Um, 
And, and so when we can't understand it, when we can't fathom it, um, then we don't know what to call it. And we, it might be an alien craft. It might be a spiritual being or something like that. Uh, the aliens, they don't necessarily even have to be coming from another planet. They could just be coming from uh, another trans-dimensional kind of being, that sort of thing. Um, or it could be something that human beings have invented that you mm -hmm. just don't know about. Yeah, or they could be a, a race that exists already on the planet. So I, I'm just saying, as long as you can have an explanation for it, you can have it be a craft, it's, it's at the point where people lose the comprehension of what it is when it's too much for people to understand when it's too far beyond our scope of understanding i think that's when it stops being a craft and starts being something mystical or magical and not that there aren't mystical magical things uh, and, and i'm not saying that at all i'm just saying that when it goes beyond that point that's when people stop seeing it as a craft i think and they so I don't know that there's any unrealistic expectations. Just as long as you can give it a rationale. As long as you can give a reason. Yeah. I mean, basically, in a nutshell, if a lot of humans in the past, inventors in the past, thought something was unrealistic, we wouldn't have any of the technology right. we have right now. Right. It's... There's always a dreamer out there mm -hmm. ready to, to shoot for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that uh, what what is realistic or what is fantasy, the the goalpost is always moving. <laughs> okay, we're back from a small break, and I had a chance to readjust the lighting a little bit so that I'm not glowing so profusely. You're always glowing. So, but, um, so our next question is from Ministry of Psychonautics, who is an amazing artist. Please check out their stuff. Uh, just beautiful psychedelic art as a psychonaut. Very, very invested in the inner world, the inner space, and discovering all the realms therein. Uh, really fascinating kind of stuff. Uh, and they ask, if you can share, have you ever had a psychedelic experience? If so, was it enjoyable or valuable in some way? Thanks. Um, and like, as far as like straight up hallucinogens, I haven't because I'm a person who has flashbacks, uh, and <laughs> I don't really want to trigger one. Um, but, uh, what, what I have, I, I'm also super sensitive to, uh, drugs. I found, um, for a period of time I was doing, uh, in, uh, medicinal marijuana. I was trying it out. Um, and I found out that I guess it's rare, but I'm one of the people who does hallucinate when they're on, uh, like THC. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I did not find it fun. I found it annoying because I'd want to get my drawing done and I'd want to get my work done. And I would have like these, uh, patterns and colors like floating into my view. Um, normally what I'd see is, is almost like lace or like a Moroccan screen like with the, all the carved out little flowers and stuff like that, sort of like building itself into my view, like sort of snaking into, and then like all these bright colors, like kind of intermingling with it. And I, I would see that like in the periphery of my vision and it would be like really frustrating because I was trying to draw. And I, I'm not the kind of person who can just let go and like enjoy that kind of thing. Because for me, it's just like, ugh, when is this going to end? And when I can, can I get on with my life? <laughs> and, um, but I do... I do have extremely vivid dreams, which you probably know about. 
um, because my comic book and everything like that. Um, and I have waking dreams, which are uh, as close as I can get to an experience that is more what I think you experience when you do have a psychedelic experience where you experience something profound and beautiful and meaningful. And for me, that more occurs in my waking dreams um, and I will have, uh, or my lucid dreams. Like uh, I had a waking dream where I, I looked over at your hair and it's when your hair was longer and I had French braided it the night before. Cause That's not so masculine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, you would let your guard down, I guess. And uh, I was seeing all these colors melting down into the braid and like flowing into the braid and like uh, just kind of like in interweaving themselves down every strand of hair and every strand of hair was like a different color um, and just glowing and radiant and kind of magical. And uh, I would see that and I just said like, this is this person is a beautiful person who wants so much to share their life with me and to give and I have to be more grateful and I have to show my gratitude more to this person and I'll have those kind of like profound awakening moments in my dreams or in my waking dreams um, one of my waking dreams that I illustrated for uh, my mini comic was a uh, skinned horse uh, peeking its head around the corner. I woke up and I, I saw the skinned horse peeking its head around the corner, um, speaking Russian to me, <laughs> um, calling me down the hall. And so I followed it. And then instead of the, the hallway to the bathroom where we have, it was this big, like, almost like this hospital with these stained glass w windows. And, um, gonna push down because it's in lower power mode right now these stained glass windows and the light was shining down and uh, the, it was very profound and the horse basically said to me like um, you are beholden to monsters and I can't carry you you have to carry yourself now and uh, I spoke to one of our guests about this dream and she said, yeah, I mean, what message did you get from that? Because horses are messengers. And I was, and the horse being stripped of its flesh, it's a raw message. And I was like, yeah, it's, I can't expect for, you know, anybody else to make things happen for me. I have to make things happen for myself and I have to dedicate myself to that. And I can't just sit back and say like, oh, it'll happen when it happens. It's, it's not going to. I have to <clears throat> dedicate myself to you know, all these ideas and stuff that I have, I can't just sit there and enjoy them. I, I have to actually do something with them if I actually want to communicate them to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. That's the closest I've had to a psychedelic experience, I guess. How about you? My first jump out of airborne school, I knocked myself out. I can remember who I was. Yeah. Is that close enough? Yeah. That's about as close as I get. So you might, you might not be who I think you are right now. You so might, might be a waking dream. Yeah, yeah. I've thought about that before, that that you're actually well, we can go on all kinds of weird a ghost like or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I do um, occasionally use CBD, but it doesn't really get me high or have any of the um, effects that I, I'll sit in the bathtub and like have a CBD bath bomb or smoke a um, CBD joint. Um, Eventually, sounds like Cheech Marin. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, 
I, I, but that's mostly for my arthritis. Um, you get a lot of health problems from being an artist, especially an artist who sits for 18 hours. Oh, look, look at that pit stain. That's awesome. <laughs> <Edit. Huh? laughs> Probably just leave it in. Um, I mean, it's only 90 degrees outside. Yes, it's, it's insane here. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and so I have uh, arthritis, and I use the CBD for that. Cause it, but I have to do it before bed because it knocks me out. It's, I am so sensitive to drugs that uh, it, it just drops me so hard. <laughs> okay, so the next one is from Joe, Gin Buddy Joe. And I, I don't want to say your name wrong, but Unsing art and the, the link will be in the description so if I'm saying it wrong just punch me next time you see me which you won't for a while but remember to punch me um, and he says do androids drink electric gin 3.0 um, yes and you know what when you asked me this question I actually looked up to see if there's an electric gin somewhere um, and there is there's an electric gin company in Scotland and uh, they, it's called Electric Gin and Spirits. And I was so excited to find it. I'm going to have to write them and see if they'll be a sponsor for the show. I'm sure, like, a, a spirits company in Scotland definitely wants to, like, American Jack Wagons mm -hmm. to be their spokespeople. That's probably... But exactly. then you drank enough gin that you're sitting on top of a rooftop in the rain mm -hmm. going, all the things I've seen will be lost. In time. Like mm -hmm. tears and rain. Don't rain. start me because I know that whole mom one. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I do. Androids drink electric gin. I think that if you, if you're an android, that you're probably programmed into such a way that you can drink anything that humans can, because the whole idea would be to blend and to meld. Um, and if, in Ghost in the Shell, they talk about like uh, we can just knock them back while we're uh, waiting for food. And uh, their, their body doesn't let them process alcohol, um, which I think would probably be something that uh, you, you would write in. Because the android, I mean, let's face it, if we make robots, they're going to be servants. We're going to initially just be like, well, you can't feel pain, and that kind of thing. But they're going to be servants, so we're going to make them in ways that, uh, like, well, we don't want you getting drunk. We don't want you, like... Well, but it didn't work with the Cylons, so... No, no, it doesn't. Uh, but initially, they're going to try to control all the extraneous variables that could keep them from being more efficient. So, it's like if your car suddenly, like, goes out with the boys, and you need to find it. That would be very inconvenient for you, because your car is a tool that you use. Well, androids, well, I think when they, they're made, will be the same thing, that... It's a tool that you can use, that you expect to always be there and always be ready. And if it can get itself drunk, then it's, it's going to be a real disadvantage. It's going to make you really angry. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. The, the, it raises ethical questions. Like, do we have the right to create something? And it is essentially a life, you know? And, and in so many ways... Technology will eventually get there. Well, in so many ways, a human being is just a wet machine, you know? And you can argue metaphysical aspects of that, but the, the components of the body and stuff like that, it, it is a machine. So when you create a machine, um, you know, d does it have a sentience? Does it have a consciousness? Does it have a quote unquote soul? That kind of thing. Um, do we have the right to create these bodies and limit what they're able to experience? Like, it, are they not allowed to experience gin? Are they not allowed to experience drunkenness? Are they not allowed to experience sexual pleasure because it might be inconvenient 
you know. Work for data. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dave had sex with Yar. Mm-hmm. So Tasha. Mm-hmm. Tasha Yar. So yes, we are science fiction nerds. <laughs> a little bit. If you haven't noticed already. Yeah, a lot of a lot of nerds, a lot of nerd nerding out in a lot of ways. So, next question is from August the Clown. Uh, he asks several questions. So some personal questions. <laughs> How's your mom doing? Now, if you, if you listen to episode 16, uh, my mom did have what at the time they believed to be stage 4 breast cancer. Um, and she doesn't want me to do another podcast that focuses on her because she actually found, there's a lot of vultures who came out of the woodwork who had not spoken to her in decades who suddenly really wanted to be part of this experience of, ooh, you have cancer? Ooh, ooh, I can't wait. I've got the perfect dress for the funeral kind of thing. And it was, it was gross. It, no. was, it was honestly <laughs> gross. And, um, Basically, it, it, it all wound up really good. It, it wound up being... Your mother went through chemo. She, well, actually, what, what was interesting, they did her PET scan, uh, and it said stage four, and they said she lit up like a Christmas tree, just cancer everywhere, totally metastasized. Um, and so she went home and they gave her some kind of medication. Uh, I think it was just neur- neurolastin. It's for, to increase your white blood cell count um, to prepare for chemo. And she went home and she said that it felt like a hole opened up in her back and lava was vomiting out. And she was in agonizing pain for the entire night. And my dad's like, what can I do? What can I do? And she's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. This is, this is nightmarish. I don't know what to do. And then they went in and they did the PET scan again. Nothing. They and and this was this was after they did a biopsy on the areas where they thought they saw cancer. They couldn't find cancer in the biopsy after she had this lava explosion. Uh, and then they did the PET scan and nothing. So they downgraded her to stage three, which was amazing and miraculous. Um, and so she was downgraded to stage three. And uh, she went through chemo. She finished it a little while back, and she's doing really good right now. So that's that's good. Um, <laughs> we go over and see her at least as much as we can. Yeah, but we due can. to COVID, we can't really go in because we don't want to. We can't go you know, into the house. We yeah, sit in the backyard. We don't want to expose she, her just in case. She sits at the dinner table, and we she speak does. through the screen, and we wear masks to make sure that she doesn't we'll, get COVID. We'll, have, we'll go out and get takeout and have dinner with her and, and mm-hmm. all that kind of but stuff. But we're so outside, really and good. she's inside. Yeah, so she's doing good. I'm glad about that. Her hair's growing in. Uh, she's got kind of like a little uh, pixie cut, which is kind of cute. Uh, and uh, she just went to the hairdresser. When it reopened for a very short period of time, six people were allowed in as long as they wore masks. And she was able to get, she said she looked like Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future. When her hair grew in, it was just like, white and sticking out everywhere and she does not like that so she she went in and now she's got like a little black pixie cut and it's very cute looks nice yeah um so how is your mom doing uh you have such great features what is your heritage everything (laughs) um my my brother actually got one of those um what are they called uh the dna test the dna tests and um my dad has always been like, ah, I'm Sicilian. And if you look at my Italian, grandma, yeah. yeah. Italian. And uh, if you look at my yeah. grandma, she looks exactly like me, except much, much darker, with black hair and olive skin, but looks exactly like me. Um, and 
she she always said she was Sicilian. She's the first of her family not born in Sicily. Um, but then they, I was saying to my dad, don't expect to be Italian because Italy wasn't even like a country till 1860 after Napoleon kind of like made it into, you know, one single country before there was a bunch of city states. They had a bunch of different languages. And I should say that Napoleon got the ball rolling, but unification happened uh, considerable ways after. So we have like heritage. So you just have a good good concept of race versus nationality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He, I, say, I wouldn't say race. I would say genetic. Yeah, your, your genetics come from all yeah, over. Yeah, your, your genome versus yeah. nationality. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we, we have uh, heritage from the Balkans, Portugal, Spain, uh, all, all over the place. And uh, he was he was a little sad about that. Um, <laughs> what about your mom's side? My mom's side is interesting because my, my mom, my great-great-grandma is from Sonora, Mexico, and she was tribal. Um, we don't know what tribe. I think that the tribe there, the, the dominant tribe there is Yaqui. I, uh, I, I don't even know if that's what she belonged to. She was uh, part of a tribe, and she was kidnapped, essentially. By, don't, it's not a good thing to do, guys, so that's not a good way to get a woman. Um, she was kidnapped. I don't think she was super happy about it. Uh, they had a baby, and the baby was my great-grandmother, and uh, they lived in uh, Globe, Arizona, uh, and I believe before it was a state, it was still a territory at that time. Um, so if you asked her, she, she said she's Mexican she, and we always called, uh, my mom always called her abuelita and that kind of thing. And she, she spoke Spanish because everybody spoke Spanish there. Um, and she called herself Mexican, but a lot of people nowadays would not have considered her to be Mexican. Um, but, uh, and that, that was what she would have always said her heritage was, uh, Mexican and Indian, uh, and then Irish on my, uh, great-grandfather's side actually great-great-grandfather's side and then uh, she married a, a German man uh, who had just come over and was getting an apprenticeship in cabinetry um, in uh, Wisconsin and then uh, he cut off his thumb and uh, that was kind of it for <laughs> cabinetry so he uh, became a coal miner and he moved to Arizona and uh, they got married and so they, she, uh, that's, they brought in some German ancestry in there, and German and Irish and Mexican or indigenous or, and uh, then all sorts of stuff from all over Europe. My grandfather who married my Sicilian grandmother was uh, French Canadian and uh, who did not speak French because in his household, uh, they wanted to be American. Uh, and so they never taught the kids French uh, but he thought he knew French from hearing his parents speak French, and so he, when he was in the Navy, he went on to a French ship and started speaking French, and they just were looking at him like, oh, sweetie, <laughs> no, 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 we can't understand a word you're saying. And, um, but he was, he was a French-Canadian. And um, so, like, all over the place, like, heritage all over. And you're Polish and uh, German. Polish, German? Mm -hmm. Maybe we should Irish. Or Irish. Technically, Scotch Irish, which is actually actually Irish. You, you know what Scotch Irish is? Is uh, when you had the Irish immigrants coming over. No, um, I mean, on my grandmother's side, mm -hmm. on 
that we're a part of our family is goes all. I mean, it goes very far back mm -hmm. in U.S. you know U.S. history. Um, but she always described her as being Scotch Irish. I'm like, okay. But then I learned when I was when I went to college, I learned that Scotch Irish was a term that was used by Irish that had been that had that had it's immigrated similar. to the United States mm -hmm. or the colonies in the 1700s. Right. And so by the 1840s, you know, when, when the, the potato famine was happening and a lot of the Irish are coming over because of that, and they were viewed as being, you know, uneducated like and dirty, yeah. that, that the original Irish, because they, they're now they're established. Yeah. And so they're politicians and they're businessmen and, and things like, like we're that. We're not that kind of Irish. They're, we're not that kind of yeah. Irish, so they called themselves Scotch-Irish because mm -hmm. Scots were considered better than Irish were. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's... Very weird for us now, but that's, yeah. And then he goes on, and in his question, he says, being from where you're from, which we're, we're in uh, San Diego, California, Vista specifically, uh, what is your relationship to the ocean? I don't like it. I I don't think... It's pretty to drive by. Yeah. I'm a diver. Yeah. I took I, her snorkeling. She didn't oh. Like no, I did not Even like Even when I showed her an octopus. The octopus was cute. The octopus was cute. I didn't need to be in the water with the octopus, like, and, and I, I mean, I, I totally understand the beauty of the ocean, and I want it to be preserved, but I don't want to be in it, um, and it always blows my mind, like, people will say things like, um, shark-infested waters or something, Look, humans are infesting the water, humans, they don't need to be there, <laughs> that's... They're there for recreation. They're, they're, they don't, they're, you're infesting their home. Sharks are not coming into your house and going into your refrigerator and making a big mess all over your, that's not what they're doing, but you're doing that to sharks. And I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the ocean. I think it's beautiful and I think it should be preserved. I don't want to be near it. I, although I love the water, I'm in the bath, like, so next time you the bring time. the octopus here and throw it in the bath with you. No, I heard it. So he also asks, are other members of Horrorgasm going to participate as well? I really enjoyed the episode with Shingles. That was good. That was your poetry, P.M. Geller. Mm. Yeah. Um, we would like to do more episodes like that. Um, we that That's actually kind of something we're working on. But right now we're trying to edit Creeping Wave and get everything together for that. And so that is kind of our focus number one. So we're doing a lot of update episodes and things like that to try and make sure that we have the time allocated uh, to put together the sound design and the editing uh, and getting the voice. I still have to record some people, um, but that should be coming along. But yeah, we're, we're looking to do more of that. And Shingles is an established character, so, but, but she's an established character in the universe. She has a twin sister named Kirsten who is my ex-girlfriend. Um, and uh, now Jennifer Cooksey's not my ex-girlfriend. I wish. But no, sorry, Jennifer. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're married? <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, you. <laughs> the old thing. Sorry, you're taken. <laughs> but um, Kirsten, and she is in the San Diego Werewolf episode, Kirsten, um, the, the Wendigo. So a Wendigo and a, a quote-unquote skinwalker, not a true skinwalker. Um, it, uh, our sisters, and so I'm hoping to do more with those because I think it's a really fun character. Um, <clears throat> and he also asks, lip gloss, yes or yes? Yes. Um, I've no. never... <laughs> no. 
Oh, I don't kiss you. That's gross. <laughs> That's gross. Oh, no, I mean, I don't wear lip gloss. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, um, I, I've never gotten down with the matte lipstick that was in for a long time. I just thought it, was, it wasn't for me. Um, so I've always been like a gloss fan, even when it was unpopular. Um, and yeah, so I always kind of have like uh, a shiny, glossy mouth. I have a huge mouth, so it works out. Okay. It is pretty big. So it's pretty large. Yeah. So, at, uh, let's see. Uh, Omar, asks, uh, Omar Colon asks us, if you meld two characters, who would it be? Who would it be? Meld two characters. Now, meld two characters to make me or just meld two characters to enjoy? So... Well, theoretically, you might be able to meld Napoleon and Scratch. You might be able to. They're both kind of along the same, yeah, same kind they, of thing. Yeah, but they, they're a team. Uh, they're but a because team. they're a team, that might be easier to meld them. Yeah, you could you could meld them. They have, they have a similar uh, arc that mm -hmm. we're going to hopefully get into. The problem with Creeping Wave is it's, it's so slow to produce, and with a comic book, too, that I don't get the story out as fast as I want it. And so there's all this storyline that I know that I can't really tell you guys about. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And uh, if I ever get the novels out, if I revisit the novels with Scratch Michael um, when he's, mm -hmm. he's younger, um, then I, I'd be able to explain some of that subplot. But basically, they, they both come from a similar background. And they both have a lot in common. So they could, they could be melded. So... So the next question that we have is, what sort of shenanigans might you have planned to keep Halloween alive this pandemic? We're trying to release Creep Creeping Wave Radio, uh, the first episode for the season on Halloween. That's usually what we've done. Um, I'm hoping that I'll be able to pull it together. I think I should be able to, but um, yeah. And uh, that, that's how we're gonna do it. We were gonna do a live show. Um, and now we're trying to turn that around and uh, just do the donations through Indiegogo and stuff like that. But we were kind of saving up to do a live show where we're going to like hire the bands on and uh, have performances, like live readings and performances and that kind of thing. And we were going to try and do that. And uh, I talked a little bit to the people from Horrorgasm and trying to coordinate with that. But then everything got shut down, so it's kind of a mute point. Um, but yeah, that's what we were originally going to do. Uh, and now we're going to try to release it. Maybe we'll do a live stream. We haven't done any live streams or live casts or Google Hangouts, mostly because I'm, like, terrified that I will say something bad. I'm such, like, a misanthropic, like, jackass that I always worry that I'll say something terrible and mean. And, uh, but, yeah, may maybe do something like that. But we're definitely going to try to release Creeping Wave Radio on Halloween and uh, get everybody involved with that. Um, we're going to have some things coming up for people to submit voice, uh, voice samples that to be part of the show as well. That's going to be coming up pretty soon. Um, and we're, we're going to have like a, a lot of things that we're going to try to incorporate the listeners into this season, try to incorporate you, the listener, as much as we can into the season. We're, we're trying to do that whenever possible. So, but yeah, Creeping Wave... So far is what we have planned. Okay, so then another question from Nick the Rat. And this is, 
how many hours a day do you create and what is your source of energy that you are using? Because it has to be like 29 hours a day, nine days a week. Yeah, I don't take days off. Um, I, I don't enjoy days off. I, I don't, like you've seen, like we'll be sitting watching a movie and I'm like, because uh, I just want to go work. <laughs> I can't like, I, yeah, I, I, I just have this constant need to uh, edit or draw or something. Like it doesn't turn off. I don't turn off. Um, coffee is what I use. Um, I, I can't really do any harder drugs. Um, and I, I just basically drink coffee and I just kind of go and I just power through and yeah, I don't take days off even when we're on vacation and stuff like that. I will bring my computer with me uh, and I will bring my art supplies with me and I'm still going full force. And the most miserable thing you can do to me is make me chill. Because I, there, nope, zero chill. Zero chill. I don't, I don't have. Unless we take her to a French restaurant. I like, I like, well, I like food, yeah. So. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And so it's, it, it is constant and it's fueled by coffee. So uh, in my younger days, it was fueled by, by whiskey as well. Um, but uh, mostly coffee now. I, you know, since quarantine, I haven't really been drinking because mostly when I drink, it's social. And <laughs> You're not very social. Yeah, I'm not very social. That's why I have to drink. <laughs> so it's like, I'll drink until I enjoy your company. And I'm more social. That's so, why I'm drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> You're more social, so you're drinking to deal with the isolation. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, but mostly, mostly coffee. Is what I do. Yeah. Okay, guys. I think that is all the questions because we're in an hour and 33 minutes at this point. Uh, and we just wanted to kind of give you guys the updates on the things that you are interested in hearing about. Uh, and we'd like to do more episodes like this in the future. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate to just put them forward and uh, let us know. And uh, yeah. A anything that you would like to add? No. Not right now. Yeah. Definitely check out our Indiegogo campaign. Um, if you can't um, donate right now, then just share it. Let let people know. Get the word out because uh, there's all sorts of cool. Can you hand me the stickers and the comics so we can showcase them for the people? Oh, oh hobbling. Too much sitting. But yeah. Too much oldness. Too much oldness. <laughs> there's a lot of oldness in this house. I feel super old, especially for the internet, because most people my age, I'm 40. Um, they pack it up and they're not doing creative stuff anymore because they're like, well, I'm not going to make it. And so I think it's very, uh, like you see somebody who's putting themselves out there online and stuff like that. And a lot of things that a lot of the comments you get, like your 40 year old self sits there drawing. It's like, what age, what age does the switch flip that I don't like doing what I've always liked doing? Just tell me kind of thing. But, um, so this is, oh no, you can't see it. Um, I, I promised goat versus fish that I would try to show the physical stickers. Now these are mock-ups. These are not the final stickers. Uh, that is, that? That's Dorcas Morlock and uh, a fascist robot who you will get to know on the series. Uh, and this is goat versus fish. He's mighty goat versus fish. Look at all those verses. He's so ready to verses. Oh. And 
this is the uh, Hoover, who is a character from this season that is played by Max Scheller, who's an amazing, talented actor. You can see him on the U-Mind as the, the um, middleman, the psychic episode, which I did some animations on that was kind of fun. Um, and this is Matt Dunford as the human cucumber, which is kind of awesome. Uh, that outfit was taken, I think, from the Eddie Murphy Raw. Uh, I think that that's the tour that it's on. Um, I'm not positive, though. No. But, but one of the Eddie Murphy stand-up routines. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Uh, and so Matt Dunford is that. And there's going to be three more. There's going to be Scratch, Dmitry Kusorotov, uh, and Anatole. And I've gotten permission from all the actors to do that. And those are our main baddies, really. Um, so we're going to get, we got permission to make stickers of them. So those are going to be coming soon. And if you sign up, you can get those stickers. Now, this is the first issue of Tales from Horrorgasm. I'm this story right here. Um, it's, in, it's in the back. Um, but uh, the one that you're going to get if you do the Indiegogo is actually the fall edition for 2020. And then you're also going to get Lost Bread. I wrote this. That's me back in the day, back when I was in my Ben Barnes phase. So mm -hmm. you liked that phase, though. You thought it was cute. So. I did? Yeah. Yeah, you thought it was adorable. So, <laughs> I go through phases. And uh, so that's the first issue, and then you also get the second issue, because they kind of are the beginnings of Creeping Wave Radio, where the story kind of came from, and you'll start to see elements of that. Uh, and so, yeah, you'll get those. You'll also get prints, which I, I have the prints in a suitcase in the car right now. Um, but you'll get uh, signed prints, uh, we're we're going to be making acrylic charms from the stickers, uh, but of course we're not really going to make them until you guys order them. So if you want those, you got to get in there and you got to leave us a donation because these are kind of exclusive. And to, why are you looking for that? We're, yeah, we're doing it to uh, give back to our all volunteer cast and musicians because they've been kind enough to offer their talents to us. They volunteer. Yeah, they volunteer, which is amazing. You know, that they would do that and help us bring this, like, cause we don't make any money off Creeping Wave. Um, we don't have any sponsors or an, or uh, anything like that yet. And we don't make any money off of the, uh, we're not monetized on YouTube. We don't have enough followers or anything like that. So, um, you know, spread the word. Maybe at one point, I'm not opposed to it. I mean, if, if a, like electric gin or um any other place came forward and said like yeah we want to sponsor you i'd be like oh cool that'd be great you know but um <clears throat> we we are not there yet so the money that we're giving uh <clears throat> 1667 of it is ours um and then we're asking for help from other people and we have three separate goals uh, that uh, are going to change like the, the payment that we can deliver and they're going to be small payments we, we don't want to promise something huge we can't pay industry rates they're going to be small payments but it's a thank you it's, it's what we can do right now to show our gratitude and I think that with COVID and everything it's, it's really made me reconsider like what's important it's like these people who <laughs> helped me and you've heard from like I'm a huge misanthrope it's hard for me to be around people it's it, and these people despite the fact that I'm you know a difficult person they're still willing to 
donate their time and their effort and work with me and you know be patient with me and it's it's kind of amazing it, it kind of restores your faith in humanity i was like these people are what's important to me that's what's important right now so that sounds like a pretty good yeah so okay guys that's our update episode if you have any questions write us and uh yeah i'll talk to you in a bit bye Special thanks to everybody who submit questions for this episode. That is Aurora Artemis, Trixie Land, The Creative Brew.tv, After Dark Creations, Nixie Von Rose, Nico Likes Philosophy, or is it Nico? I don't want to say it wrong. Uh, Nick the Rat, I'm pretty sure how to say that one. Thank you, Ministry of Psychonautics, William Jack Thomas, Galley Fisher, Aguas the Clown, Omar Colon, Unsung Art, and Bin Better Comics, and special thanks to our donors, Vanessa Cook Farmer, Sharon L. Marcotte, Quantel Langford, and Yvonne Shamus. You can be a donor too and reap all the rewards by going to the link in the description box. Special thanks to Savage C. Walnar for kicking off the show with his legendary announcing skills. We couldn't do it without you, sir. And a super-duper special thanks to Ethan Mexel, the composer of our You Mind theme song, Demilitarized Zone. Get on Patreon and share the love at patreon.com slash lucidnap, or make a small one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash lucidnap. It's fun for everybody involved. You'll love it. I'll love it too. And you know what else you can do? Go to lostbreadcomic.com. You can buy my art. You can buy my comics. You can commission a piece to be done, and that's always an exciting thing. I don't know. Do you, do you want to draw something? I, I, I could draw something for you. I mean, yeah. Or you could follow us. Following us is fun. Just follow all the social media links below, and be sure to check out Creeping Wave Radio, because you want to get caught up on the old episodes before the new episodes begin. Yes! Or else you won't understand what's going on. It's really not that complicated. You could probably jump in in the middle. But why would you want to do that when you have the opportunity to get caught up right now? Go ahead and do that. It's amazing. It's going to change your life for the better. So, yes, definitely check that out. And you know what? Thanks for watching. Because that's kind of what we do it. Or listening, if that's what you're doing. But you missed the whole video aspect of it. So, eh, maybe go ahead and check that out on YouTube if you want to. And you know what? A super duper extra special thanks to our Patreons. The Grammerica Show, Nikki Benfield, and Neil. The lovable Neil. Everybody loves Neil. Everybody loves Nikki. Everybody loves the Grammerica Show. There's so much love going on. Why don't you get on there and be part of it by becoming a Patreon or donating on our Indiegogo? You can share the love, and the love will come right back at you. The You Mind is brought to you by LucidNet Productions in cooperation with a scary old man. I'm not that scary. Don't I don't so. try to be, but I just am. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Every person's story has something to teach us, how others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt, how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network.
This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.